Well, we can go ahead and get started. Um, I'm just going to pray for our time together, and then as, as those are coming in, um, they can join us for understanding some different generations. So let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this week that we can all be in this place and to be with you and with each other. Lord, we just pray that uh, during this next hour that we would um, just walk away with a, a deeper under, understanding and appreciation for who you are, the way that you have created us, and the work that you are doing in our lives, and how we can better minister to and love others who may be different than us. And so, Lord, um, we just pray that you would draw us closer to you, and that the words that I say would be pleasing and honoring to you. We love you, Lord, and we trust you, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Uh, my name is Kelsey, and I'm the Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministries at Mount Hermon. Um, I've been on staff. I grew up attending family camp um, every summer with my family since I was three and a half. Um, I love getting to uh, share with the family camp staff, um, specifically each summer, um, my experiences when I was in childcare that I still remember. Um, my experiences in day camp, I still remember all my day camp counselors' names. And in fact, two of our current staff this summer, their moms were my day camp counselors when I was in day camp, which is really fun. They were dropping them off, and I uh, got to re-meet some of my counselors, which is so fun. Um, I, went, I was part of the youth program, part of the college program, and then I started on summer staff in 2008 uh, after I had graduated from Point Loma. And... In my time at, on summer staff, I was a counselor at Ponderosa because I knew that I loved working with junior high and high schoolers and then heard about Herman's intern program and was there for two years and then came back for the next summer in 2011 to be the assistant director of youth and I've been here since then. Um, so I did not anticipate being in camping ministry for this long. Um, I tell summer staff that I signed up for one summer on summer staff and that turned into uh, one, my career and also the last 14 years of my life. Um, but I have, I have always known that I love this age group of youth and young adults. Um, but I think in my time working here, I've grown to love it even more. And there's always, always new things to learn because the, the culture is always changing for youth and for young adults. Uh, there's some ambiguity in our culture of what makes a young adult and when are you no longer a young adult, but just a full adult. <laughs> um, some people will throw out the age 27, and it's like, that's uh, very ambiguous, just a, a normal number. Um, so it's specifically why we have changed our young adult program to be called the college program, to help give some definition to it. Um, and so I love working with this, with this age group. Um, so my role during the summers is to work with the staff up at Ponderosa Lodge as well as the youth and college program here at Family Camp. So I get a little bit of both worlds, being at Ponderosa and at Family Camp. Um, but I love working with, uh, with this age group. I find it to be a very messy time. Um, but one of the things that I've learned in my own life is that God is good with messes. And so we can trust him and the work that he is doing um, within each of our lives as we go through the stages of adolescence. I taught a seminar back in uh, Family Camp 2019, and it was called What It's Like to Be a Young Adult in Today's World. And in that, in talking about adolescent and young adult development, I also talked about the current generations who fill the space of youth and young adults, which is currently Gen Z, and millennials are starting to be on their way out of young adult season. And so in that seminar, did just a really quick 
summary of some of the current generations, boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z. And in that, during that seminar all summer, I realized more and more how I'm really interested and fascinated with generational theory and understanding each generational type because it includes uh, understanding culture, understanding history, understanding humanity, and it kind of ties it all together. So I bought these, uh, I bought these books by um, these wonderful gentlemen named William Strauss and Neil Howe about generations and just had them because I wanted to learn more about it. And then March of 2020 hit, and I thought, all right, this is a time for me to do some, some studying and some, some learning. And so during the, the time of Tiger King and sourdough bread making, um, I was reading this book <laughs> um, just for fun, um, which people thought I was crazy for. Um, but in the intro of this book, it was around April that I started reading this, and um, on the opening page, this book was written in 1991, just for starters, and I was reading uh, the following quote, and they're talking about the, the cycles of history and the patterns of history. Uh, no one, for example, can foretell the specific emergency that will confront America during what we call the crisis of 2020. Again, this was written in 1991. Um, nor, of course, the exact year in which this crisis will find its epicenter. What we do claim, our cycle can predict, is that during the late 2010s and early 2020s, American generations will pass deep into a crisis era, a constellation and mood, which we'll talk about in a moment, and that as a consequence, the nation's public life will undergo a swift and possibly revolutionary transformation. I was reading that in April 2020, I was like, all right, sirs, you have my attention with the rest of your book because uh, you nailed it right on the head of sometime in the decade of 2020, we are due for a crisis. And I found that to be really fascinating and I like their approach and I think that that's helpful in looking at generational theory is that it's not predicting the future there's a lot of variables, but it's looking at the past and understanding that there is a pattern and there is a cycle and to better prepare for the future by better understanding our past. And so with that, all of the things that I've put on these slides, this is all from these two books. Um, since it was written in 1991, the only thing that I can uh, share with you from my own brain <laughs> is um, a few hypotheses or possible distinctives that could be said about currently Gen Z as well as Gen Alpha because um, Gen Z was entitled Gen Z at the making of this book. It was just saying the future generation after millennials. But in looking at their pattern, I think that there are some things that we can anticipate for Gen Z and for Gen Alpha, which is the generation that's currently being born. All right, so in looking at generational theory, first, what is a generation? It's a cohort group usually around 15 to 22 years. Um, that really depends on what's currently going on in the world and in history. Um, but it's usually around 15 to 22 years. And it's an approximate span of a phase of life. And so we'll talk about that in a moment. It's, it's looking at what are the phases of life that we go through, and it's usually around 22 years. And then what boundaries are fixed by the peer personality. And so we're gonna break that down into what some of these things are. So the length of generations, 
Um, there's elderhood, which is around the ages of 66 to 87. Um, midlife, the ages of 44 to 65. Rising adulthood, uh, so again, that would span like young adult as you're becoming an adult, ages 22 to 43. And then youth, being zero to 21. In these phases of life, there's some really specific roles that each of them play. And so for elderhood, those that are in that age, their central role is stewardship. And so they are helping to supervise, to mentor, to uh, pass on values. And so think of, think of older grandparents um, looking at passing on their values to, to their grandchildren. Midlife. 44 to 65, their role is leadership. They've had enough experience that they're still in the workforce. They haven't yet reached retirement. And so they are parenting, teaching, directing the institutions. During any of the world wars, they were those who were the generals, um, those who were kind of leading, not necessarily on the front lines, but calling the shots of what needed to be done. In rising adulthood, their central role is activity. They're like in World War II, it was the GI generation, the boots on the ground, the frontline workers. Um, because in their age, they're young enough to have the, the position to do that, but also old enough that they're able, they haven't yet gained that leadership. And so um, the working, starting families, livelihood, there's a lot of activity. And then for youth, zero to 21, it's dependence. They are dependent on others. Um, they are the, the children or the college students that aren't yet out of college. There's still some dependence within their family unit. Um, their role is to learn, to accept being protected and nurtured, to avoid harm, and to acquire these values. All right, so as we look at... Yes, question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get to that because I think that's one of the things that I'm, one of my hypotheses is what is going to be the boundaries for Gen Z were any of the students of 2020. So college students to first graders who were pulled out of school and then did distance learning. Um, and how that experience early on in their life is going to have effects for the rest of their life. So I think currently, we'll get to that, but uh, currently youth... Uh, Gen Alpha is currently being born, and so it's, it's any of the toddlers, um, but they'll continue to be born until the, for the next 15, 20 years. And so Gen Z really is the current youth, but starting to move into rising adulthood. Um, so in common, common age, oh, I'm sorry, I got confused. Um, so in looking at a phase of life, this is a quote just to give some, some context to it. So during a major war, let's say World War II, which we'll use as an example because it was the most recent crisis before the crisis that we've currently been going through, uh, we can easily imagine that youth were encouraged and willing to keep out of the way during you know, any of the kids during World War II. The rising adults, the GI generation, were to arm and meet the enemy, having a lot of activity. Um, midlifers were to organize the troops and manage the home front, any of the generals or those in leadership positions, and elders were to offer wisdom and perspective and stewardship. FDR is an example of the generation who was in that role during World War II. Mm -hmm. 
which, which we'll talk about, they experienced early on in their life and then it followed them the entire rest of their life and the generation that followed was one step behind and that mentality followed them the rest of their lives. It's really interesting. So in the, um, each generation has a peer personality and so within that there's these three. It's a common age location, so you are a common age during a, a significant time in history and you have a shared experience with others who are that same age experiencing the world at the same time as you. Um, common beliefs or behaviors because of being, again, experiencing culture in the world during a season, whether it's a crisis or what we'll call a spiritual awakening, which is another social moment. And then the perceived membership in a common generation. You understand kind of your place in history and what generation you're part of. It doesn't mean that you necessarily fit all the stereotypes of that generation, but you have an understanding. Like I understand that I'm a millennial and there's a lot of things that sometimes I feel like I have to fight against because people will write me off because I'm a millennial. Um, but there are some things where I, can, I understand why people think how they do about millennials. So you understand the perceived membership in the common generation. So in common age location, the group, the generation group, came along at the same time. And so it's a community of, think of it as a community of date and space. And so um, a very common question now is like, where were you in March of 2020? Or looking back previously, do you remember the events of September 11th? Like, where were you in these different times? For me, it was my sophomore year in high school. For my parents, you know, their understanding and their perception of what was going on 9-11 was very different in their mind as adults raising their kids and trying to talk to their kids about it than me as the high school student all of a sudden realizing that the world is no longer safe. And so having a, a community of date and space where you travel through together, but your experience of different life events is going to be very different based on your age and where you're at. The generation encounters the same historical, the same concrete historical problems, but again from different perspectives. So to find the boundaries of each generation, you have to look closely at what is going on within history on either side of it. Um, the two moments specifically between birth and then coming of age. Coming of age being the process of transitioning from being youth, that role of dependence, to now rising adulthood, having uh, the role of activity and being in the workforce. In a lot of the, um, especially uh, BuzzFeed, likes to do a lot of quizzes about, um, you know, boomers versus millennials, and there's some, some funny kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, commentary that's out there. But oftentimes, some of the things that I'll look at, it's very subjective. It's like, oh, well, if you, um, if you like certain music, or if you like certain clothing, or if you grew up with this specific social media, uh, then this is the generation that you're in. And I think that's a little too subjective. We have to look instead at what is the historical things that are going on that will then create the boundaries that we have for each generation. And so um, for an example for that would be, um, I believe it's 19, the, the difference between 1997 and 1998. At the time, we wouldn't really think there's any difference in looking at you know one year to the next, both born in the late 90s, um, but play it out 22 years, 1997 would have been most likely the last graduating class before 2020, who had a normal graduation, who started college, um, or started in what their life after college was going to be like. 1998 was then the first who missed out on all their senior 
opportunities and graduation and being able to move on. Everything kind of stopped. And so looking at it now that we see what her history has been going through, we can look and say 1997 to 1998, that's going to be a generational boundary um, based on what we now see, as opposed to 10 years ago, no one would have known there would be a huge difference between those two years. Yes? Uh, 1998 would have been when the students were born who would have been the graduating seniors of college in class of 2020 who weren't able to graduate in the way that they had wanted to. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, common beliefs and behaviors and looking at that being the second for a peer personality, it's just the web of beliefs, attitudes about ultimate questions. Um, that each generation carries with it from rising adulthood through old age. So again, in that, those formative years as young adults rising to adulthood, what is currently going on? We, my parents were in this age range in the 60s. That followed in their, uh, their thought process and their world experience. Their parents, it was being the children of World War II. And so you kind of follow with, you carry with you the, the experiences and the beliefs that you have during your lifespan, specifically as you're coming to, uh, coming to adulthood. As the generation ages, its inner beliefs retain a certain consistency over their life cycle, much like the personality of an individual. And so uh, you continue to move through. So my grandfather um, was a pilot during World War II. He continued to carry with him that type of personality um, and being recognized as someone who fought in World War II the entire rest of his life as someone who, who fought in the big war. And then lastly, perceived membership in a common generation. Some people will embrace <laughs> the generation that they were born in. Others will try to distance themselves from it. Um, within the generational span, there's always a first wave and then a last wave. Uh, because 22 years, a lot can happen within that. So for millennials specifically, who are born from around 1982 to 1997, the early 80s, we didn't have social media. The first wave millennials didn't have social media until college. That didn't necessarily have as much of an effect on us as those millennials who were born in the later 90s who did have social media at a much younger age. And so there's always a first wave and a last wave for each millennial or each generational type. And those who are right on the cusp between one generation to the next will sometimes have a, a blend of some of the previous generation as well as the one that they currently sit in. A good friend of mine, she was born in, I believe, 1980, and so technically she's part of Gen X, but she also is you know, very close to millennials, and she has expressed thing like, I feel like I have one foot in both worlds. I don't really fit with the Gen X personality, but I also don't fully understand the millennial one either. And so we take into account that as well. All right, so there's a four-part cycle within history, and it really capitalizes on two social moments. A social moment being, um, it usually lasts about a decade, and it's when people perceive that historical events are radically altering the social environment. And so there's two that have weaved its way through American history, and in this book, they actually go all the way back to European history before people came over to, um, to settle in, in North America. And so in looking at these two, there's either a secular crisis or there is a spiritual awakening. 
It's not to say a religious awakening, but spiritual meaning an inner focus where you're wanting to fix your inner life and you're thinking about the world in different ways and wanting to shift your values. Um, the 60s is an example of a recent spiritual awakening. And so there is always this flow uh, between a secular crisis and then after that, I'll get to the next slide, after the spiritual awakening, it goes into a time called the unraveling. And because everyone is so inner focused, all of a sudden there are things that are unraveling out in the public life, and that is setting up the next crisis. And so then the crisis hits, everyone bands together to lean into the crisis and hopefully come out triumphant. And then after that, it leads to an outer focus where we've been able to um, take care of this crisis, and now we're wanting to make sure that our outer life, our public sphere, is being taken care of well. And then that leads to the next spiritual awakening because there's so much outer focus that then there's this void of, wait, we need to turn inwardly. And so it's this cycle that goes between these two social moments and the rise or the fall between them. What's interesting is that then there are four generational types that will always match wherever we are in the cycles of history. And so we'll get to that. So a secular crisis, an example of that would be the Great Depression and World War II era, or our current, I think we're currently in the crisis of the 2020 decade. Spiritual awakenings would be, again, um, the transcendental awakening, um, or the uh, spiritual awakening of the 60s and the 70s, that's the most recent one. Um, after the 2020 crisis that we're currently in, it is anticipated that we will continue to be in an outer focus, kind of an, a high, an outer focus era, but it's only a matter of time before we will reach the next spiritual awakening. And that's gonna be key in then developing where Gen Alpha will start and stop based on this spiritual awakening that will be happening. And so these social moments, um, they don't arrive at random. Um, the secular crisis and spiritual awakenings will never occur back to back. There's always a season of time in between them. Uh, nor does half a century ever pass without a social moment of either type. There's always been one within every 50 years. Um, social moments normally arrive in time intervals, roughly separated by two phases of life, 40 to 45 years. And so in a span of life of around you know, over 80 years, you will experience one of each, a secular crisis or a spiritual awakening, but it'll depend on where in your life your generation is and when those things will be happening. Um, wars and other secular crises are triggered from without, outside of us, and then spiritual awakenings are triggered from within. And so during a social moment, um, the dominant, there are these four generational types and they will always, depending on whether it's a crisis or a spiritual awakening, even looking at the last like 400 years, they will always meet at the same time as when these crises or these spiritual awakenings are happening. And so it creates this personality where these four generational types will ebb and flow um, so that there is a repeat of personality types, um, which, is, which is really fascinating. So the dominant generations currently in how they fit, the boomer generation as well as millennials would be considered the dominant generations. Um, and there's a reason for that because they are entering rising adulthood either during a spiritual awakening or during a crisis. And so for boomers, they were entering rising adulthood during the spiritual awakening of the 60s. 
the millennials, they're entering rising adulthood in the era of the crisis of 2020. So that makes them, it doesn't mean that boomers and millennials are more special, it just means that they are in a role, a phase of life during these two social moments that makes them a more dominant generation because of being in stewardship or being in activity roles. The more recessive generations are entering youth or midlife. So again, the age of dependence or the age of leadership, but leadership being told what to do by those in stewardship and then needing to delegate to those in activity, they're in a more recessive. And so that would be an example of Gen X or Gen Z would be the recessive generations at this point. Social moments normally arise as each generation is entering a phase of life. And so again, Gen Z is currently in the season of youth, but very quickly they're going to be moving into rising adulthood. And then Gen Alpha will start to slowly take more space as, as a current youth that we're serving. So in the four generational types, these are the four patterns um, that will always hit at the same time when either a secular crisis or a spiritual awakening are happening. And so there is the type that's the idealist. It is also known as the prophet. They're those who are entering rising adulthood during a spiritual awakening era. So that is boomers. Uh, Before boomers, it was the missionary generation who were the children after after the Civil War, who were then in the stewardship role as elders during World War II. And so idealists will always enter a spiritual awakening and it will shape how they view the world. And then as they experience crisis in their elderhood, that is when, when they give stewardship because of the values that they had as a younger generation that it carries with them. The next is reactive. They're also known as the nomad. Um, They are coming of age during an inner-driven era, which is also known as the unraveling. And so they are the youth during the spiritual awakening that are often forgotten because everyone is so inner-focused. And so this is an example of this would be the lost generation. Um, So like General Patton, those who were generals of World War II but were the soldiers of World War I. Um, Gen X would be another one where they were the youth that were at home following the spiritual awakening. And so they are currently, Gen X is the, the generation that's currently in that space. And then the, uh, the third one, civic or hero, they are coming of age during the crisis. And so that is the GI generation, the greatest generation, and that's also millennials. Um, and I'm not saying this because I'm a millennial, <laughs> but it's, um, they are the ones who are rising adults while a crisis is happening around them, whether that was World War II or the crisis of 2020. Um, and then the last one, adaptive, the artists. They are coming of age during the outer-driven era, which is also known as the high, and so that's, the, that's Gen Z currently. Um, the previous generation that had it was the silent generation, which oftentimes is forgotten because there's either the GI generation, the greatest generation, and then boomers. And there's actually a generation right in between them known as silent, and they were the children of World War II, but they were just when they were getting ready to enter World War II, the war ended, and then for the rest of their lives, they were the ones who were like just this close to being able to help and to participate, and that followed them. And so these four are what repeat then these four personalities and their responses to helping what's going on in life. These are the four patterns that will continue. And so currently, 
The idealist generation is boomers, the reactive is Gen X, civic is millennials, Gen Z is the adaptive, but Gen Alpha being born is the next idealist. And so they repeat. Um, because Gen Alpha will be coming of age and rising to adulthood during the next spiritual awakening, whenever that is. And so a couple of things in looking at these four generational types. Um, the dominant inner fixated idealist generation, again, think boomers um, or future Gen Alpha. Um, they grow up as increasingly <laughs> indulged youths after the secular crisis. All right, so think of boomers who were the children following the Great Depression and World War II era. And so they were, they were born in a space where everything was, there had been some triumph, there had been some victory, and so they were um, uh, loved in a way because of everyone having come out, coming out of the crisis. They came of age uh, during an inspiring an, a spiritual awakening. Um, Oftentimes, idealist generations, this isn't a knock at boomers, but even looking at previous idealist generations, um, they will sometimes fragment into narcissistic rising adults because they go through uh, the important phase of young adulthood while the spiritual awakening is going on, and so there's an inner focus that they're focusing on, and then that sometimes can continue if they continue to have an inwards focus even after the spiritual awakening is over. Um, they will cultivate principle once they get into the season of midlife, and then they will emerge as these visionary elders who are helping to guide the next secular crisis. And so again, think of you know, FDR in World War II and the ways that um, him and others in his generation were there to help, they were kind of the wise sages, the wise old men who were helping to guide everyone through a World War crisis. All right, next, a recessive, reactive generation. Again, that's currently Gen X, or that was the lost generation of World War II. Um, they grow up as underprotected and criticized youths during a spiritual awakening. Um, this is really fascinating to even look in media. When we're in a season coming out of a spiritual awakening and in the unraveling, um, it's oftentimes where uh, children and how the media perceives children, it's as the bad kids or the demon-possessed children, or um, it's, there's just an underprotectedness to the children that then shifts once the next generation starts because they realize as this generation is growing up, oh, we haven't done our good, a, a good job in nurturing these children. Now we need to be protecting them. But there's always a generation that kind of misses out. It's the latchkey kids of the 80s for Gen X. Um, so they mature because they are kind of left alone during, um, during a lot of their youth, during the spiritual awakening while all the adults are having this inner focus, they mature into risk-taking and alienated rising adults. Um, but it produces uh, indecisive midlife arbitrator leaders during a spiritual awakening. These, this specific generation, especially in reading all, through all four of them, this is one that in the pattern it really breaks my heart, and they're often the ones, like the lost generation, they were the forgotten kids at the turn of the century, but the soldiers during World War I, and then the generals who were getting all the blame during World War II. It just follows their generation, and it follows in previous generations as well. And so even like today, Gen X, it's a smaller generation, but they're pulled between boomers to millennials and be like, I, I don't really want to belong to either of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yes, absolutely. And when we look at, I think, um, in looking specifically at millennials and Gen Z, I'm starting to see a trend for younger Gen Z where they're wanting to not be on social media. Um, it's always, I think, going to be part of our lives, but they're... Um, Yes. And they're seeing the effects of it. There's more data of the, the un unhealth with it. Um, but they've also, they've experienced a life always having it, Gen Z, but looking at either their parents who are millennials or Gen Xs and not liking what they see of how dependent their parents are on social media, which is interesting, yeah. Um, so for the uh, civic generation, they grow up as increasingly protected youths after the spiritual awakening because, again, the reactive generation was underprotected, and then all of a sudden they realize like what's happening with this generation, youth of today, and so then there is this, this swing to the other side of we need to do more for our children. And so then they're overprotected. Um, they come of age during a secular crisis. And so again, the GI generation that were thrown into uh, the Great Depression and World War II, um, millennials currently, um, and as they were you know, either nurses or teachers or staying at home to teach their children during the crisis of 2020, um, they will unite into a heroic and achieving cadre of rising adults if, and this is a big if, um, if they work well with the idealist generation that is stewarding them. If there isn't that a good connection between those two generations, um, it, it may not work out as well. And so the GI generation really looked up to the missionary generation, which was FDR. If that hadn't happened, it, there could have been a different result in how these generations were formed. But because they experienced victory and like triumph and look at what we overcome, um, overcame in an early part of their life, that, uh, that heroic mindedness follows them the rest of their lives of look at all that we could achieve at a young age. And so that's currently, that's currently millennials. Um, they will then be the elders later on in life during the spiritual awakening. And so for the current millennials, they, when the next spiritual awakening is happening, it'll be Gen Z in the role behind them as leaders, and then it will be Gen Alpha, who are the young adults who are experiencing the spiritual awakening, and oftentimes there's a lot of tension. When the civic generation is older, looking at the younger going through a spiritual awakening, it's a sense of, look at all of what we did to accomplish for you, and you're throwing it all away to be inner focused. So like the 60s. Yes? So are you saying that right now it's millennials and they'd be looking to boomers? Mm -hmm. So you're a millennial. Mm -hmm. What do you think of boomers? I... <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, what's interesting is uh, I had a, a friend, he said that his, his kid, and my friend is only a little bit older than me, and uh, so he's Gen X, and he said that at one point, um, one of his kids had said, okay, boomer, to him. And he was like, and so it's almost a phrase that people think, um, in the same way that people think that millennials is like anyone in college, 
And it's like millennial, like no millennials are currently in college. They've been out of college for like the last 10 years. Um, Gen Z is currently in college. But in the same way, people think that anyone older than them is a boomer. And it's like, no, that's, that's actually a generation type. <laughs> like it's a very set window of time of like when people are boomers. Um, I, it was interesting reading through this book and looking at the, the previous constellation of how all of this was lined up in the last crisis and realizing as we were going through 2020, the last two years, um, the misunderstandings between boomers and millennials. And there was this, this sense of like, ooh, for us to get through this, I think we need to find a way to work together. And I wasn't yet seeing that. And so World War II, the era of that is a great example to learn from. But I think the current setup of millennials with boomers, I don't see as much respect as the previous civic, um, civic generation had for the previous idealist one. Um, how are we all doing? Any other questions? All right. Um, and then lastly, the recessive adaptive generation, um, they grow up as overprotected and suffocated youths during the secular crisis. And so because the world outside is crazy, it's this, this turn to wanting to really protect and hover and make sure that our children are okay. Um, they will mature into risk adverse and conformist rising adults. Um, it will produce indecisive midlife arbitrator leaders during a spiritual awakening. Again, they will feel caught between the two dominant generations of saying, okay, I wasn't yet old enough to be able to help during the crisis of 2020, but then I'm not young enough to be included in the spiritual awakening. And so they will always feel caught between the two, like the silent generation felt between the GI generation and boomers. And they will maintain influence, but not have as much respect as sensitive elders. Um, oftentimes, because the civic generation, the one that millennials currently hold, um, oftentimes because they were so outward focused, doing a lot of things, the next generation, the adaptive one, currently Gen Z, they will turn to more of the arts or towards being counselors or being more empathetic because it's like, all right, while millennials or the GI generation are accomplishing everything out here, we want to tend to tend to the people. And so they're often gravitated towards being more empathetic, more counseling roles, teacher roles, wanting to help and to nurture. All right, so in the four-part cy cycle, during the awakening era, the spiritual awakening, idealists are coming of age, and it will trigger, again, thinking of the 60s, that was the most recent awakening era that we've had within our life cycle. Um, cultural creativity and the emergence of new ideals as institutions built around values are challenged by the emergence of a spiritual awakening. And so boomers reacting to everything that the GI generation had built them and saying, no, we want to kind of find some new values on our own and what's really important in life. After the awakening era, again, is the inner driven era and it's leading to, there's still a lot of inner focus and so things start to unravel. And so it's called the unraveling. That is when the reactives, so currently Gen X, are coming of age. And so while everyone is still inner focused, things are starting to fall apart and they're the children and the youth that are living within that space and maintaining it. So individualism flourishes, new ideals are cultivated, confidence in institutions will decline and secular problems are deferred. And so looking at, again, like looking at the troubles of the 80s coming out of the, the tumultuous 60s and 70s. And then during the crisis era, when the civics, millennials, are currently coming of age, it opens with a growing and collective unity in the face of perceived social peril, needing to band together. 
and it will culminate in the secular crisis in which danger is overcome and a new set of ideals will triumph. And so um, looking at currently millennials as we're in the crisis of 2020, but looking back on how the GI generation was affected because World War II ended in a triumph. If World War II had happened in uh, 20 or 30 years earlier, it would have been a different um, generation type that would have been in each of these different roles. And that's part of, there's one anomaly in the 400 plus years that they were taking all of this data. And the one anomaly is the Civil War. It came too soon. And so then there is a missing civic generation personality because the Civil War came too soon. And because it wasn't, everyone wasn't lined up in where they normally would be in previous crises and spiritual awakenings, then there was a sense there was a, a piece that was missing. And so there was a role that wasn't being played. And so then the coming out of the Civil War kind of continued that. And then in an outer-driven era, so after the crisis, it's, you know, the, the high of, like, everyone being excited because of the triumph and the victory. And so, so society turns toward conformity and stability of, like, okay, we overcame this. What else do we need to manage and build? It's a big building era um, with triumphant ideals are secularized and the spiritual discontent is deferred. We'll think about that later. We're too, build, too busy building and securing our world. And so during both types of social moments, history will shape the generation, but also the generation will shape history and how they respond to what's going on around them. Um, the constellations is really just where each of these different um, four types of generations, the idealist, uh, reactive, civic, and adaptive, where they land during a social moment, either a spiritual awakening or a secular crisis. And that's where, with the exception of the Civil War anomaly, um, everyone is lined up in the exact same spots based on when the next, like every 85 years or so. And so similar to the how they were lined up for Great Depression and World War II, it's the same lineup that we currently have today with idealists as elders, reactive in midlife, the civic generation in rising adulthood, and the adaptive generation as a youth at home. Yes? Yeah. Yes, that's actually, a, they pull a lot from European history, but as Europeans then came over to, to colonize North America. And so they do pull some insights from other cultures, um, but they focus mostly on within American history. And so looking at it from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, was there another question over here? I, I do. Uh, is it too early for a Well, that was what was interesting reading through this. I was like, I feel like we're in a spiritual awakening and crisis all at the same time. <laughs> of, of, you know, the everyone looking inwardly of their own ideals. Um, I am currently in seminary, and we talk about it often of how we're in we're way past the postmodern world and we're now in the post-postmodern world of how it's no longer like, okay, if your truth, my truth, like we can agree to disagree, like that got thrown out the window a couple years ago and now it's, no, my truth is the right truth and if you don't agree with me, you're on the wrong side of history and I'm gonna cancel you. Um, and so I think 
that was a thing that I was, it was really helpful reading through all the history of World War II and of seeing like there were other like spiritual awakening things that were going on during that time too. But sitting in this space in, you know, being an adult myself, it was interesting thinking through, I wonder how we'll be looking back on the decade of 2020 in, you know, 20, 30 years and looking at, wow, this pattern did continue and we were able to come out of this crisis or that's another anomaly or something like that where the spiritual awakening is happening alongside the secular crisis at the same time. Um, so in the constellation, it's really just looking at where those four generational types are whenever, the, whenever these social moments are happening. And they, again, other than the Civil War, are happening at the exact same placement when these social moments are happening. And so examples of a crisis event in American history would be the Glorious Revolution way back in the 1600s, the American Revolution, obviously, the Civil War, again, that's, it came too soon, and then the Great Depression and World War II era. And so in each of these times, there was the idealist in elderhood, the reactive in midlife, the civic, with the exception of the Civil War, the civic in rising adulthood, and then the adaptive as a youth at home. And uh, in looking through all of those generational types, they all mirror each other in the generation to come after that. Yes? Yes, yeah, so the, um, the 60s and 70s would be considered a spiritual awakening happening following the crisis and the high of Great Depression, World War II. So then for spiritual awakenings, um, that's when civics um, are in elderhood, the adaptive generation are in midlife, the idealist generation is rising to adulthood, and then the reactive generation are the children at home. And so a few examples of that would be the Puritan Awakening, again, before the Great Awakening. Um, the Great Awakening, the Transcendental Awakening, after, after oh no, before the Civil War. The Missionary Awakening, which happened after the Civil War. And then the Boomer Awakening, also known as the 60s. And so that taking place um, while the idealist generation was in rising adulthood, the Boomers. And so World War II as an example, again, the missionary, um, FDR, they were in elderhood, the lost generation, General Patton, he was in, um, they were in the reactive space, the GI generation in rising adulthood, and then the silent generation um, as the adaptive. And so then for today, boomers are currently as the idealists, Gen X as the reactive, Rising adulthood is millennials and then Gen Z. But in looking back on all of these, Gen Alpha is going to follow the pattern to then be the next idealist generation that will then set up the next four. And so they'll be leading the next four for the next constellation. Yes? I'm sorry I missed the beginning of this, but yeah. I'm trying to fit this into a philosophical framework. This is basically a theory of sociological cycles. Yeah, generational theory. And I'm giving full credit to these gentlemen who wrote these books. Um, they wrote it in uh, the late 90s for this one and then the early 90s for the other one. And so they reference what they anticipate for, uh, I think they even call it Generation Y, which is millennials. Um, and they're anticipating what millennials were going to be experiencing and then the generation after them, which is currently Gen Z. And so looking at uh, their research as they look back on American history and noticed a pattern between social moments. Yeah. 
And so um, just a snapshot of some current generations. Um, again, boomers. Um, and the reason in thinking about boomers is because in understanding what boomers have gone through, it is going to help us better understand our upcoming gen alpha. And so I think that's one of the greatest, is the question that I have at the end. Um, there is an incredible role that grandparents can have with their grandchildren because uh, they will have experienced a season of history in a very similar way to their grandchildren, depending on what generation they're in, and be able to relate to them in a way that other generations will not be able to. Um, so currently, boomers, in, born 1943 to about 1960. Um, here's just a couple fun snapshots to think through them. Um, shaping events was post-World War II optimism, the Cold War, the hippie movement. Um, they have a belief that you should take care of your children enough to set them on the right course, but don't plan on leaving any inheritance. Again, some of these are generalized statements, um, but in thinking of uh, our current boomers and looking at then Gen Alpha is going to be the next generation that will match this type. Uh, for Gen X, the reactive, um, born anywhere of 61 to 81, known as the latchkey or MTV generation, um, they still, they're digitally savvy, but still sometimes will revert to um, uh, other types of media, like newspapers, magazines. Um, however, they are still, uh, spend about seven hours a week on Facebook, and so they are digitally savvy along with their, their children, who would be millennials or Gen Z. Shaping events for them, um, the end of the Cold War, the rise of personal computing, and feeling lost between boomers and millennials, the two big generations. Uh, millennials, the current civic or hero, born in 1982. This is, in these books, they said, we don't really know when millennials will end, but in filling in 1997, um, because of looking at what 2020 was going to be and realizing that I think millennials, I think the last class of millennials will be the class of 2019, either from college, because then the classes after them were all the ones that at some point needed to go home and do distance learning and missed out on these big milestone moments of college graduation, high school graduation, um, being able to have internships, having a job lined up right afterwards, and all of a sudden they were at home with their families and realizing like there were no jobs. And so millennials, I think that is gonna be what will mark one generation to the next is millennials were not students during the crisis of 2020. Other things for millennials, um, they, shaping events for them, the Great Recession, um, the explosion of the internet, and 9-11. Um, I think this last, uh, gosh, when, a couple years ago, it was the last, um, the first time that there were gonna be uh, young adults who were voting that didn't have a personal memory tied to 9-11. They know that it happened, but they can't place themselves. In the same way my parents talk about the JFK assassination, I know about that event in history. They know about it from hearing it at school and being sent home and just how everything felt during that time. I feel that way about 9-11. I can like vividly think of what I was wearing, where I was at. The Gen Z generation were the children when that was happening, and they might have like a slight remembrance of it, but currently the, adults of the young adults of today, Gen Z, many of them don't have any personal connection to 9-11 other than just knowing that it happened. And then for Gen Z, they're the, the more adaptive. Um, they're also sometimes called uh, I-generation, post-millennials, but they're really, Gen Z is just kind of taking off as um, what, they're, what they're being called. 
And so this is what we're, I'm hypothesizing is that it's gonna be 1998 to 2015 is gonna mark them because they will be the children, again, that were students during the pandemic of 2020 and then experienced developmental delays because of like social interactions and um, missing out on the things that they had planned for their futures. Yep. So that's a different type of trauma. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I was in junior high, I believe, when Columbine happened. Um, and then, so there's a little bit of a crossover with, um, with millennials as well. But more consistently, absolutely. Gen Z, this is, you know, the fear of going to school. Um, social media, having an iPhone at a much younger age. Um, the effects of social media as young teenagers, that's far more what Gen Z is experiencing, as well as then um, being students and being in a dependent role during the crisis of 2020 where things were happening that they couldn't control um, and realize that they were missing out on a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Gen Z is very different than millennials in that way of thinking through um, where they've, what their life experience has been so far and the things that they've um, experiencing. But the thing that is, I think if Gen Z can really lean into it, um, they are incredibly empathetic and they have um, an understanding of you know, self-care, um, my own nieces and nephew who are 12 and the twins are nine, they have in their school a calming corner so that they can go and like self-opt to what's gonna help them cope. Um, and so I think that this generation, if it leans into its strengths, can do incredible work in being able to help care for others um, if they can also realize how to help, help themselves as well. Right, right, yeah. So a snapshot of Gen Alpha, the next, so Gen Z is gonna wrap up our uh, current constellation, and then what's to come, Gen Alpha, um, the ones that are currently being born, current toddlers, um, and then to, uh, it'll mark, whenever the next spiritual awakening will happen, it'll mark that as the end of Gen Alpha, and then potentially the, it's already been coined Gen Beta. Um, so I don't know if that's going to stick or not, but Gen Beta would be the next reactive generation that would be born um, or becoming of age after the spiritual awakening. So this will be the first generation that is fully born in the 2000s. There won't be any that are like, you know, born during the late 1990s. Um, the first wave will include children during or after the global pandemic of 2020 and won't really have any recollection or connection to the events that we've been going through. So if the patterns and cycles will continue, this generation will experience a spiritual awakening era in their coming of age that will then connect them to the boomer generation in their personality types. Yeah. I think it's because, um, I was reading that too, um, in the first, it's the first generation for the next wave of four, um, but also it's the first ones being fully born in the, the full 2000s. Yeah, and so it's the start of something new. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so <laughs> Gen Alpha would be the next one. Yes? Mm-hmm. And the idealist generation, the boomers, but the generation between those two, 
Yeah. Yeah. The silent. Yeah. Yeah, so the GI, the uh, greatest generation were um, the soldiers. Yeah. Is the silent generation. Uh, Gen X? Yes, um, so the silent generation would be uh, similar in personality to Gen Zs currently um, as their children while a crisis is happening around them. And so the silent generation were those who weren't yet of age to be able to get into the war. And the war happened, and then everyone was celebrating, but they didn't necessarily feel like they participated in a way that they had seen others be celebrated for. Um, Gen X is uh, similar to the lost generation, which was those in leadership during World War II, like um, General Patton and others who um, had experienced a similar sense of being the children following a spiritual awakening. And so Gen X, the next generation that will follow a Gen X pattern will be Gen Beta, the one that will come after Gen Alpha. And they're the, the youths during a spiritual awakening where they're feeling the effects of it, but seeing everyone turn inwardly, um, like during the 60s, and getting left behind. Thank you. Because of the Latchkey Kid movement, um, and those parents of the 80s kids and 80s and 90s kids grow into parents, that is why we got coined to be the helicopter parents. Yep. Because we were so neglected emotionally yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and that pattern continues of either being like underprotective or then overprotective. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and looking at, um, and even looking at the different uh, wars that have taken place um, and which ones were either celebrated or which ones were successfully, also based on who were in the rising adulthood age range uh, when that war was being fought. And so even looking at some of the other wars, because there have obviously been other wars other than World War II, but the ones that seem to be ending in triumph helped to then steer everyone towards the next high. Um, but when other wars have come too soon, then it, um, it doesn't, one, it isn't always celebrated, like the Korean War, the Vietnam War. Vietnam War taking place during the 60s, everyone was inwardly focused. It was not a war that was celebrated. Um, some of that was because the idealist generation were in the rising adulthood phase of life. Well, and some last, um, in processing through this with a lot of uh, some close friends, it was like, okay, what do we do with this, in this information? <laughs> and in looking at um, remembering, I reminded myself of this often as I was reading through this, we are all image bearers of God, and it is our unique perspective and life experiences which we can offer others to help minister or disciple them. And the more that I think about it, um, the more I recognize the, the role that grandparents can play understanding their their grandchildren, what they are going through in a way that other generations won't be able to because they'll have been in a similar phase of life during social moments that their grandchildren are experiencing. 
And so in thinking through every generation being different, every social moment, rather than turning to either, either generation on either side of you, so myself to Gen X or to Gen Z, and being like, why don't they understand? It's because they've been in a different season of life going through this experience, they're gonna have a different perspective. And so being stronger together than, than on our own. And so just a couple of questions to consider, um, a couple of different ways that you want to better encourage or empathize with the generation that is not your own. And uh, what is one way that all of us together can continue to be God's people, his stewards here on earth, working together through the crises that we experience as well as any of the spiritual awakenings that hopefully will lead people closer to Jesus in that awakening season as opposed to, to other things as well. Last questions, yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um, because, you know, like, I think a lot of boomers tend to look down on millennials. Maybe mm-hmm. millennials are more defensive about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, uh, and, and some of it is um, millennials have the, the um, stereotype of not being hard workers. Um, and I think some of it is because we were also growing up in an era where um, everyone gets a trophy. And so the entitlement... <laughs> Um, I think that that's starting to, to show in the workforce of um, expecting to be celebrated for just doing your job well, um, <laughs> like what's expected of you. So I think some of those stereotypes are there, but in looking at how we were raised, I think not to put the blame on that, but of that's part of some deconstructing that we need to do of like, okay, yes, this is part of how I was raised, but I need to start taking some ownership in my life as adults and realizing that others have a different perspective than me that I should learn from, as opposed to just kind of tossing out. And so my hope would be that millennials would work well with boomers, as well as with any of the other generations, in realizing that they have a different perspective and that that can be a good thing and that we can learn from them and their experience. So I know that it's getting close to lunch, so feel free, if you do need to leave, I'll stay back for any questions that you might have. Um, But I so enjoyed my time with you guys. Hope you have a wonderful lunch, and let me know whatever else I can do to help. Thank you.